Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Sofa Talks. Today I am joined by the lovely Craig Spider Richards. Jeez, come on. I'm ready, I'm ready. <laughs> my day off, my day, day off. off. You don't want this, you don't no, want this. No smoke, no smoke. I'm ready, you have more fires for us. Okay, cool, cool. I'll, I'll let you um, train and warm yourself up. Come on. So, how are you? I'm good, you know, I'm good. Yeah, Thinking it's not really nice to see you. It's been a long time. Oh, you as well, thank you. Mm. Yeah, it's been a while. So, I really want to start talking more about like where you've kind of come from because mm. I think it's really important for people to understand your background um, and really just get an insight into who you are as a person so yeah. you know how did you get into boxing um do you know what like i was i used to one of my cousins I used to hang around with a lot he was going and i just followed him down the gym then he stopped i carried on then um i was there for a while but i was kind of mixed up doing other bits and pieces really so i wasn't really focused in boxing mm -hmm. then my other cousin a few years later asked me to come to his gym in the lynn and peckham i was there for a while um, I used to go more so for a coach who was there, he used to believe in me, saying I'd always be champion if I stuck to it, but I don't know, I didn't, Did I didn't believe, believe him at the time. I didn't believe him, I was thinking, oh, this guy was gassing me, I was thinking, why are you gassing me, what, <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> but he used to say, no, trust me, I'll drop you home, I won't charge you subs, so I'm like, alright, so I carried on going, but eventually he had left the gym, so when he left, I was only going for him, so I left as well, Then I was back out doing whatever I was doing, and then um, years later I bumped into him again, he then said to me, look, I've opened my own gym now, come down. So I went down with him. I remember then I went to college. I'd done my A-levels. Then I was going to go to university. I was thinking about going to university. But in a year out, I went back to boxing and I saw him. And then I started winning stuff, winning championships, whatnot. Okay. And three years later, I got signed to Peter Simpson, matchroom boxing. And then we're here now, five years on. Very interesting. Do you know what? It's funny because we watched um, one of your interviews. And in your interviews, you were saying that you lost your paperwork to go yeah, to university. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mashed up. Yeah, basically, I went to enroll. Um, and then because I was going to do part time I saw someone I saw who went to my college funny enough and they were doing full time and they said that they've got one more lesson than I have so I was like well full time is only one more lesson now what am I doing part time so I said oh look can I switch so they were saying hand in, fill in your modules so I done my modules or whatever what lessons I'm going to do like when and they said hand it into the business block mm -hmm. um, rather than give it in at the front because you're changing from part time to full time so I was like okay so I handed that in, went to the lessons for about a week or two, never heard nothing back. I said, hold on, let me make sure I'm full-time. <laughs> you know, I might be part-time, I'm going to take your lessons unnecessarily. So I've gone and I said, yeah, like Craig Richards, you know, switched to, uh, look for the paper. I can't find you. I said, what do you mean you can't find me back? I just handed my thing in. She said, no, there's no records of you here. I'm like, oh what are you my talking God. about? So Cullen said, sure, she wanted me to re-enroll everything again. But the deadline was so close, I was like, you know, oh, I'm just leave this and I'll come back next year. So that's why I went back to boxing right. for pastime for a year. So right. I saw my man come to the gym. I said, you know what? I might as well go to the gym. I've got nothing to do for a year. You know, it's like if you're doing nothing, you're going to end up doing foolishness. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have a focus, went to boxing, started doing well, so on. I thought, you know what? I could do something here, you know? And I remember even I spoke to my mum, I said, you know what, mum, I'm going to do boxing. She started laughing, like, what are you talking about? Going to university. <laughs> Said, yeah, because from a, from a black woman's perspective, coming into this industry. Come on, don't oh. be silly. I was like, no, seriously. She goes, all right, you used to go to uni, three years, four years, you graduate, you get a job. What are you going to do for three, four years? You're not going to get paid that much in boxing. I said, look, mum, I'm going to win this, win the box cut, win this, da -da -da. three years today, I'm going to get done with a turnover. She wrote it all on the paper. She still got the papers today in her room. She wrote it all down. I done what I said I'd do in the three years to that date. I got signed, turned pro. And she said, you know what? I'll take my hat off to you because you said you was gonna do it and you done it. And obviously, at the time, I had little arguments with my granddad, my dad. I see my granddad on a Sunday for dinner. He heard one day I was having pasta and tuna. He said, "Listen, you can't do it on a Sunday. Get to my house at three o'clock every Sunday and sort me out properly." So when I used to go around there, they used to give me stick like, "Listen, it's not realistic. You're not gonna get signed. Look where you're coming from. You're not gonna get signed." Because there's so many people trying. Yeah, so look how much people wanna be a boxer. Why are you gonna get signed? So I'm not saying you're not good, but think about being realistic. Just get yourself a job. Whatever, I said, no, nah, I'm going to do this. So they thought I was deluded. Three years today, I got turned over. My dad said, you know what? Yeah, I'll rate you. I'll take my heart off to you. <laughs> so you said, I didn't believe in you, but you showed me. And then obviously my granddad, before he died, before my first title fight, I remember when I visited him and he had my poster on the wall. And he was just like, he said, 
how's boxing? I said, yeah, it's good. He said, you getting paid yet? I said, you're going down professional now. I said, hmm, good, good, good. You need no man a few words. See, it must it's so reassuring to be able to go back to your family and say, look, you guys didn't believe it, but I told you. I know, and then he wanted to come to a fight, but obviously you're quite ill at the time. Mm. So obviously he passed away before he got to come to a fight. But it was just reassuring that I knew when I saw the poster about Upper Lee's favourite chair, I knew I got his approval. So yeah. I was like, yeah. So, but then obviously since then, moving forward with my pro career, all my family support me all the time. My mum, my sisters come, my cousins, the lot, they're always there shouting loud mm. at ringside. So yeah, it's been good. They're bigger supporters now. Yeah. Um, Although, obviously, I had to make them believers. You had to show them. Yeah. To prove but it's like anything. You. you know, like, if you've not seen someone else do it, or it's not an often thing someone does, mm. automatically, not you're not going to say they can't do it because you're being a hater. It's just that you care about that person. Mm-hmm. You don't start setting their bench that they're not going to realistically do. So they were trying to look out for me, but I had to show them that, trust me, I've got this. So what made you so different to everybody else? Because... You know, coming from we've grown up in the same area, there's a lot of people that are trying to get into boxing. Or and to be fair, some of them are doing well. Yeah. Not quite where yeah. you are, <laughs> but you know they're, yeah. they're pushing through. They're but yeah. what has separated you from everybody else? I think one thing I've had more than everyone else um, from days work ethic is crazy. Mm. My work ethic, my focus is different. Obviously, come where we come from, you know the sort of lives we live. We go parties, we think a lot of people they ever smoke, they drink. They socialise. For me, I literally cut out the whole lifestyle of partying, drinking, going to bed late, doing all nighters, gave up my social life. And mm. you know, obviously you're young, it's hard to do that. Mm. But I've done that to dedicate myself to the gym. As I said, when I was an amateur, and then just when I came off of everything, I was away from all the previous life. I was then just in the gym. Like my last year amateurs, I was in the gym just making ends meet, doing a bit of PT hearing and stuff. And I was training nine o'clock in the morning till three in the afternoon, going home, resting and going to my amateur club seven till 10 in the evening all year. And I'm not getting paid, I'm paying to go to that gym, then I'm paying to go to that gym. So the year of dedication, six days a week, to do that, you're paying out and you ain't really got much income, you're just making it happen. A lot and of people not, can't do no that. No one wouldn't sacrifice. No. And you know like, being obviously where we're from, there's an expectation to live a certain lifestyle. Yes. You know, everyone wants to keep nice up. Car. Everyone nice cars, mm-hmm. going out, popping bottles. Mm-hmm. So you're going from keeping up with people to now having to sit on the back burner for a while mm-hmm. and stay focused and not getting drawn out to saying, you know what, I need to keep up. Yeah. You've got to just believe in what you're doing, willing to keep your head down. Don't worry about anyone else's journey or their lane and just know that you're in it for the long goal, do you yeah, get what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that's a sacrifice that people wasn't willing to make what I made. Mm-hmm. And then um, moving forward from that, that's why like my amateur career was quite short, but it was intense. So like I was winning things early. There's like, basically get like under 10s, under 20s, elites. Yeah. From when I was just getting from the under 10s, I went straight to elites. So I'm boxing guys at GB, the Olympic boys from 10 fights in. So although I had 22 fights, my last 12 is fighting the top opposition. So I'm learning on the job. So the time I turned professional, I was ready to do that again. So then I had hard fights, like from my fourth fight and fighting guys who just boxed for Southern areas against guys who 13 and 0, from my full fight, knocking them out in the round. Six, seven fights in, I'm boxing guys with double my experience, 12 and 0, six knockouts, who's way bigger amateur pedigrees than me, and I'm headlining on Sky. And they're saying to me the month before, look, see when you take your first loss, don't worry about it, you'll bounce back on that. (laughs) Bitch, I'm prepared, you follow You know what, that fight specifically, I knew I was up against it. He's come for Goodwin, he was 12 and 0, six knockouts. I've only had six, seven fights, and I've only done one six round, but he's done 10 rounders and that. Yeah. And then his amateur pedigree, he had beat some really good names that was big in boxing now. And I was like, I knew how good he was, but I was training really hard. But the problem with that fight, I had a chest infection. I was coughing and spitting blood three weeks before the fight. So I'm on antibiotics. But the trainer's like, look, I don't care. I'm not going to feel sorry for you because he ain't going to feel sorry for you. You are going to go and do 10 rounds sparring now. I don't care. You are going for your run. Like, this ain't a sport where people feel sorry for you. So I had to just push through, coughing, spitting blood, training. And I got in there for my first 10 rounder. And I remember like after seven rounds thinking, you know what? That training paid off, I feel all right. (laughs) 
And we are. That sounds like torture, Craig. To me, that sounds like torture. It's part of the game. Like modern slavery. Nah, you know what? This game ain't for the, the faint heart. Nah, I'll be honest. And I remember going in there with a really good scrap, and I won my first title, beat him. Um, I felt like I felt like in a Rocky film. You know, you're like, ah, oh, lifting the title, and it was rewarding. But it's like them sort of hard fights is what's put me instead to where I am now. Do you know, I've never took the easy route. I've just always gone, you know what I'm saying? I'm mm-hmm. kicking the door down, kicking the door down, kicking the door down. And even like some guys I boxed when I first turned pro, because they was Olympians and stuff, their faces on the poster. You might see my name in the bottom corner for shows, if I'm lucky. Sometimes my name won't even on the poster, I'm posting the other guy's poster to say I'm on this show. Going down the line, six, five, What does that do to your morale? Like when you're going into a fight and you're, your face is like that and they've got You're not even got a face, you just name Mr. Craig Richards in the corner featuring. I would go in feeling already already nervous. No, but you know what it is for me, I just knew the big picture. I said, you know what, if you believe in yourself, same thing. You just gotta keep kicking the door down and eventually the time will change. And you're not getting I always believe if you're not getting the recognition or anything you deserve, you're just not working hard enough. Mm-hmm. So eventually you'll get it as long as you're working hard. Yeah. So six fights down the line after all of that used to happen. They then matched me against that poster boy who used to always be on the poster, Jake Ball. And yet again, the bookies had me basically second to none. My second title fight, and I knocked him out within three rounds, wow. and I pushed on again. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's like I've always beat the odds. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's a thing that, you know, one thing I've learned with this boxing or anything in life. He was kind of like the underdog. Always the underdog. Mm-hmm. Even my last fight for the British title. I think it was like seven to one or ten to one for me just to knock him out. Like you're getting ten times your money. It's so unrealistic to them for me to knock him out. And yet again, I saw it. My friend rang me laughing. He said, "Yes, you've slept on you again." Okay, so next time you're fighting, let me know. Yeah, I've got some money on there. Yeah, a lot of people okay. want money, but I was like, "Yeah, it's important, isn't it?" Yeah. But listen, looking at your statistics, yeah. have you really only had one loss? Yeah. One loss. And that's the fight I took on five days notice. See, this is what I mean about taking opportunities. I was, I was, um, I was gonna fight a few weeks before, just a six round, a over fight. The fight didn't happen. On the Tuesday, Eddie rang and said, look, if you wanna come Belfast, I can get you out of four rounds. Can you tell who Eddie is? Eddie Hearn's the promoter, the biggest promoter in the world. I mean, I knew who Eddie was, but just for anyone else who didn't know who Eddie was, yeah. So he said, look, on the Tuesday, he said, look, I can get you out of four rounds off. Belfast, on my Belfast show, are you fit enough? We're like, yeah. So we've flown over to Belfast, done the four round, I stopped the guy in three rounds. He had his big show the next week, the Anthony Joshua rope fight. At the time, Anthony Joshua, I can't remember who was meant to fight, but his opponent pulled out and he switched to Tackham, Sky Sports box office. And then um, Frank Boglione, with the weight above me, he was meant to box Callum Johnson. So after a 12 week camp, 11 weeks in now, with a week left to go on that weekend, Callum Johnson ended up in hospital. So it was a box office show, so Eddie's like, what am I going to do? Because it's box office, I can't pull another card. AJ just pulled his opponent, I can't pull a title fight off it, because that can change from being a box office show to a Sky Spro. Yeah. Do you want to fill in? So what, next week? He's like, look, money will be good, opportunity. Look, you're nowhere near the British at the moment. You win that, your whole career changes. You know, you got. No, I won't hold it against you if you if you don't take it because I know it's a big ask. At the time, I was compa- campaigning at super middleweight, which was the weight below of what he was asking me to do. Yeah. I've never boxed twelve rounds. I only had that one ten round title fight at this time. Ah, I said, look, let me think of it. I was in the bar. We was at the bar at two o'clock in the morning having this conversation. I said, look, he wasn't drinking, was he? No, no, okay. I was there my apple juice. <laughs> So I said, look, let me go to bed. If, I'm gonna, if I am gonna take this fight, let me go to bed and think on it. So I went to bed and I said, you know what? What's the worst that can happen? Mm. Like, I don't mind, I like the fighting aspect. The only thing I get worried about is not raising my arm. And I said, but life's about taking risks. The bigger the risk, the bigger the reward. So I woke up in the morning and I just said, I just knocked my manager's door. I said, yeah, tell him, I'm taking this. Did you take him? I said, yeah, let's just go, let's just go. So we was in Ireland at the time. We flew back Sunday night. I trained Monday and Tuesday, just, two quick sessions and then I had to go Wednesday I had to go to the public workout Thursday press conference Friday public weigh-in and fight Saturday so I trained two sessions for my first 12 round at the weight above against the British champion who was 23 fights in 15 knockouts at the time and I was only 10 and 0 yeah. but I thought you know what I've got, I can do this here and I remember we boxed third round I did hurt him but I, I remember he when he won the British two fights before that he knocked the guy out in the 12th, 11th or 12th round 
So I knew he stayed fit and strong all the way yeah, through. He's got good so endurance. In good endurance, good engine. But I said to myself, if I press it now and I don't get him out and I'm tired, mm. I'm going to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So the whole time in my head, I'm just thinking, you haven't trained for this. You haven't trained for this. Think about what you're doing. You haven't trained for this. Um, don't press it, don't press it, don't press it. So I'm kind of letting the rounds go go by sometimes. Yeah. Got to the temple, everyone's like, you need to pick this up. You're just letting rounds go through. So I picked it back up. Obviously, it's too late by the time I picked it back up. Come up short, I think, one the score, I was 116, 113. Come up short on points. But I learned, I didn't look at it like, oh, I took that on five days' notice. I thought, what are the other aspects I could have done to yes. be at that level? Yeah. And I went to the gym, and then I decided to move up in weight and light heavyweight. Okay. So I then started competing at the weight. That's the weight I'm at now. And then I remember my first three back, I knocked everyone out in three rounds, got the title fight, knocked him out in three rounds, got world rankings, and then I pushed on, that's when I got Sterling, etc., etc. So it was, yeah, my only loss was the one I took on five days notice, but sometimes you've got to take them risks to learn in life. So how did it feel? Because obviously you have got a career where you've literally just been so successful all the way through. You've only got one loss, which is yeah. amazing. But yeah. how did that loss make you feel when you when you when you went through that experience? Um, I remember afterwards because obviously I was campaigning to be knocked out because everyone was like, he's not in the right way, he's inexperienced, whatever. And I remember when I looked out of the ring, I was so irritated because obviously when you got a winner's mentality, you want to win. You're not yeah. there to make the numbers. Yeah. And I remember all the fans in the arena because I remember it was an eighty thousand seated arena, but when I boxed off the first TV, so there was about fifty thousand in there. And I remember I was walking out and all the fans were like grabbing me, can I have a picture, can I have a picture? And I'm like, I just lost, I just lost. No, maybe you see what happened. I wasn't the guy. Yeah. But it was like a really good fight. You put up a good oh. We didn't know you was gonna we thought you was gonna get stopped. Like you're an operator, we knew you took it on a short day's notice. And I remember even after that I was like, I can't believe I lost. I remember going out shopping the next week and people was like, Craig Richards, fire the money box will be like, can I get a picture? Big fan. So I was like, hold on. I'm, I'm 10 and 0. I've, people just walk past me in the street. I'm up being 10 and 0, so no one gives a damn about me. Yeah. When I lose, now everyone wants to hear a picture. I'm like, what sort of sense does this make? So, to be honest, off of that. It turned into a positive. It turned into a positive because mm -hmm. my profile boots, because everyone knows, even if you don't watch boxing, you know Anthony Joshua. Yeah. A casual tune into Anthony Joshua. So, I put a good account about myself on an Anthony Joshua platform. So that's when my name obviously got more yeah. notice being yeah. on the pay-per-view than Joshua. So it weren't all necessarily a bad thing. Mm. And what does it feel like? Because I've always wanted to know. What does it feel like knocking someone out? Oh, the best feeling. No, I can imagine. <laughs> uh, I can imagine. It must be really like, yeah. Nah, it's really good. I'm oh, not gonna lie. Like, it's the best feeling. It's like, in boxing, it's the ultimate way to win, isn't it? Yeah. So it's like, you can win on points or whatever. You knock someone out, it's the very best way you could have won the fight. So, it just makes you feel good because it's rewarding for mm. all your hard work. You know Do you ever saying? just knock them out and then you think, oh, are they going to be all right? Do you ever get worried? I should say, yeah. I'm going to pretend that. No, <laughs> you don't. I mean, I think that's probably a female's mentality. Yeah. I've been thinking, I'll knock them out and I'll be like, oh. Yeah, you, don't want, you don't want anyone to be seriously hurt. Yeah. You know, some people, you want them to go home to their families and stuff. They're just doing a job. Mm. But you do want to, like, you do want the knockout to be good because yeah. you're like, it shows, look at my power, look out, look yeah. out, you know, but at the same time, you want him to get back up and go home and be able to go see his family, he might have kids or whatnot. Mm. So you don't want to end up seriously injured, you just want to knock them out for yeah. the time being until they miss the count. <laughs> so kind of going back to like your, when you was younger, uh, you know, you've come from, we both grew up in the same area and, you know, there was a lot of violence, a lot of gangs and stuff like that, so... Yeah. For you, how did you emerge from that? And, you know, how did you stay on that straight and narrow path? Because you've talked about, you know, not going out and drinking and stuff like that. You must have had people around you that wanted you to continue, but... It was hard, it's hard at first because the transition is, you're, you know what it's like in our area. You always, in some mix-up, because of this guy or your friends don't like them friends mm -hmm. and whatnot, you're associated with them. So, like, when I was making the transition, it's just like old stuff kept coming back. So you always got something to sort out. So eventually it was hard. And then just one day it was just like, I just put my head down. I wasn't even available to be active. Like I'm in the gym, like constantly. I'm just in the gym, my head down in the gym. That's just my focus. Yeah. So it's like, you're ringing me for a party. I'm just not even on it. Like, I'm not gonna lie that. Cause I used to drink mm. and it got to a point when I took boxing serious, I stopped. And 
like I was more of a people's person around my friends. I was always bubbly. I'd have a drink. I was yeah, the guy. Like, well, I was the sociable one. So, like, if these guys are over there and we're over here, I'll probably yo, you got so I'll yeah. end up mixing. Like, I'm the guy who makes everyone mix. So my friends always want to bring me out because <laughs> I'm the guy. Like, make things happen. The but fun one. I was the fun one. But it got to a couple nights when I stopped drinking, where I went out a couple times early in my career when I thought when I was making the transition. And I remember sitting there, I wasn't drinking, I remember just like, bro, oh, to this rave finish. <laughs> this is not for me anymore. I was watching, they're yeah. like, my friends are like, yo, what's going on with you, bro? You're quiet today, what? what's going on? And I'm like, no, I'm good, you know. And they're like, you're not that. I'm like, no, I'm all right now. He's like, you're, you're, I see, I'm enjoying myself. It's fun, what time you say this stuff? Yeah, like, that was interesting. <laughs> we met at a barbecue. Oh, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, we actually yeah. met at yeah. a barbecue. Yeah, this is and you weren't drinking then? Nah, this is what I'm saying. Everyone else was drunk, though. Everyone else was drunk. That's what I'm saying. Then I started playing the, um, what's the word for it? Um, it's like I was the parent wrong. Look yeah, so you got to look after it. They were drunk, I'll get in the car. <laughs> so you're like the group dad. Yeah, I was like, this is getting long. Every week, I'm having to stop this madness I'm having to bring him home yeah. I'm like this is not an ideal Saturday night out or Friday night so I just thought why am I even going you're not even enjoying yourself anymore you're not this is now like work so I said you know what you're not even and that was a good thing though because if I literally tried to stop going out from drinking having a turn up to stop him I'll be picturing the raving as that yeah so but now because I've had the boring times of not drinking and going out, I know what it was like. Yeah. So it's like, I'm not really missing anything. I know I've done it. I've experienced life. I've been through it all. I've mm -hmm. kind of drunk, I've been partying. I've then come to a fade that I've lived. So I'm not missing anything. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm at a different stage in my life. That, different focus. It? Yeah. yeah. And I'm, my mentality is different. Even the last few times I was like going out, my friends would go to the toilet or something. I'd be in the corner. Yeah, I'm thinking about training and I'm thinking, hold on, I'm not even here right now. I'm like, yo, let me just go home because I'm thinking, you know what? If I don't get back in like at two, then you won't get enough get, time into training. I'm going get a run in tonight. <laughs> yeah, 45. So I realised, your head's not even here. So I just, yeah. That so you, you literally live, breathe training. Yeah. So right. how, how, okay, I want to talk about your personal life. How do you have, do you get time to have any personal time for yourself? And I know you're quite family oriented, yeah. so. But even like my last council or so, I've not even really got to see my family. Really? So like, I'll just be in my place on my own. I'll go to training, get up early morning. If I'm not running, because I'm running in Essex, I'll go up there and do my first session. We mm -hmm. go to the gym, we do our circuit training. Mm -hmm. Then we'll go for breakfast. Then we come back and then we box all day for the afternoon. Then we'll chill, then I might have strength in the evening. So I might, if I've got strength in the evening, then I'll go home, sleep for 20 minutes, power nap, get dressed, go gym, then I'll go, then I'll go back home, have my dinner, go sleep in the morning, do it same again. again. So that's what I do five days a week. Then the Saturday I might just do like a long run and a bit of strength. And then I rest the rest of the day, I've got the rest of the day off. Mm -hmm. Sunday I got off, mm -hmm. then Monday I hit the drawing board again. Mm -hmm. So if I've got any time, I sleep. Mm. Do you get what I'm saying? I just mm. sleep because my body's the intensity of the workouts. We're not doing those stylish workouts either. Like the, the sessions are so intense. Yeah. Some days I'm literally thinking, how am I even moving right now? Like, <laughs> I swear, like I'm going to bed in the night, knowing my what in the morning. I'm thinking, no, this is crazy. How am I getting through tomorrow morning? Mm -hmm. Like my body's in zombie mode. Yeah, because I'm thinking about myself. If I work out. I know the next day I can't work out. Yeah, no, you might be working out in 20 minutes. And the worst thing for me, I drive like 45 to an hour to training. Yeah. Then I might drive an hour and 20 to strength. I'm uh, driving an hour home. So if I'm not And training, the driving's I'm driving. also uh, you're using your brain. Yeah. So that's So tiring. I'm driving, training, sleeping, eating. That's mm. the only thing I do for the day. So mm. when I get the weekend, I don't really want to socialise. So people are like, oh, should we catch up? I'm like, no. <laughs> no, thank you. I'm going to take my own shopping. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, no, I'm joking. I'm really taking my Yeah, you probably, you know, you use that excuse. It's on camera now, bro. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to say. I'll fix myself. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I just want to sleep. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just want to sleep. And then that's why, like, after the fight now, I've got a bit of time to just train. Like, early mm. I've trained today, but it's not intense like camp. I'm not three, four sessions, so I can come, I can do this, I can go chill out. You know what yeah, I'm saying? I've got time to good. be a human again. Yeah. But when you hit camp, you're it's not, not, you're not like it. a human. Yeah. So when you're at camp as well, because I've heard a lot of people talk about camp. Yeah. So is it like a camp? 
Is it actually like we call it camp? Experience? Because like, mm. when we got a fight, the training leading up to that week is different. As I said, see that schedule I wrote? I mm-hmm. said, that's mm-hmm. my training schedule for camp. Mm-hmm. So I might do that for 10 weeks, 12 weeks, whatever. But are you doing it at home? No. Oh, you're, so you're this still living at home, but you'll yeah. go and train. Yeah, like train, camp, yeah. Right? So sometimes, like, my last couple of weeks, I stay in Essex. Yeah. So my manager's got his place. I go over there, I stay there, and I stay with him for the last couple of weeks. It saves me driving and all yeah, that and travelling. So we stops the commuting. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'll stay there, he's in camp. But when I'm in camp, don't ask me to come out. Don't ask me to socialise. Forget it. So, like, now, although I'm training, I'm not in camp. Mm-hmm. So you get what I'm saying? So I'm flexible. Mm-hmm. I can do a little run. I can do a bit of boxing. Then I can go out. So I'm just maintaining fitness. In camp is intense. So is your training all throughout the year? Do you, when do you break from training? When do you have, like, a holiday? So usually I have one week off and then I go back to training. But this one, because I had little niggles and that in injury, I had eight, I had like three, four weeks this time mm-hmm. where I didn't really do much. So it was only like a week or two ago I started doing my runs and started training again now for the last couple of weeks. This is probably the longest break I have mm-hmm. in terms. But then because I know I'm going back into camp next week, I made sure this last couple of weeks I've prepared my body so it's not going straight into getting shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. So what, what is your diet like? What do you eat on a daily basis? To be fair, I've changed my diet a lot. I used to diet like a person on a Weight Watchers machine. <laughs> but when you're training so hard, it's not good for your body. You need fuel, you need yeah. energy. So I don't really diet. What I do is I just, like my portions and that are normal and everything. I just okay. eat, I just don't eat rubbish. Right. So I won't be eating chips and burger and that. I might have curry and rice and peas and coleslaw, but I just have that like, that would be like my treats or usually I've got the meal team, shout out to the meal team, they do my meal preps. Lovely. So they might do a couple of vegan dishes. I want a meal team. Yes, yes. <laughs> I would love to have someone prepping my meals. That's no, amazing. They're good, they're very good. They might do me like a couple of meal, like vegan chickpea curries or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. Then they might do me some um, some chicken, rice and peas dishes. They might do me some fish and sweet potato and veg. Lovely. But they always give me a carb veg. Program. Yeah. So I have them throughout the week meal prep, so it's easy. When I go training, when I finish my session, I just bring it, put it in the microwave, pull them, shower, jump out. I've got food on the go. Do you get what I'm saying? Like proper food constantly throughout when I'm training. And then in the night, I'll just have a dinner. So I have that, have that after another session. Yeah. Shower and that. When I go to bed, I might have whatever I want to have. My dinner, cook a meal or whatever and then go to bed. So, so it helps. Do, you, do you make sure that you eat at specific times or is it just how will you feel? No, like you'll eat at times, like if I knew I've had a heavy training session or then I know I've got a refuel afterwards or if I know I've got something heavy in the morning and I might eat um, the night before a certain meal to carb load yeah. to get ready for that. So it just kind of depends on your schedule, depends on what you'll eat, you get what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. you'll never be eating all cakes and chocolates and that throughout the camp and you'll never eat that. Just eat food, like proper food, anything that's going to be good for you. Yeah, sugar is not good for you. No, anymore. you don't want to put unnecessarily weight on. Mm. You know, you've got a certain weight limit. You're bringing your weight down to. You want to make sure everything in that weight is goodness to bring you into that fight. Do How often do you get weighed? No, well, I weigh every week really and check yeah. my weight. But we got a specific weigh in the day before the fight. Yeah. So then you got to make the weight, and if you don't make the weight, then you don't. You either not fight or you don't fight for the title. So when you say you've got to make the weight. You've got to physically be at that, that weight. at that weight, but why would you not make that weight? Just, just trying to understand it. So, for instance, if I say to you now, mm-hmm. you've got a, uh, you know, a beauty competition next month, mm-hmm. yeah, and you've got to be exactly one stone lighter than you are today. Yeah. So you're training to make that. If you ain't that stone lighter, right. then you ain't gonna uh, be able to compete. Okay. So if you literally can't make the weight through what you're doing, then you're out. Mm. Do you get what I'm saying? Has that ever happened to you? Never to me. I'm quite oh, professional. I'm always professional. So I've seen it happen to loads of people. Or really? They've had to go and skip because they get an hour to now make the weight and they've got <laughs> five pounds to lose. And you'll see them with bin liners on. They're skipping, 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 oh skipping. God. Yeah, and like. Is that so healthy? I mean. You'll see them, they come back. Some people have red faces, some people are drawn in. They're hitting there, trying to hit the scales. You're like, yes, it's, it's, it's mad. That's manic. But I don't want to put myself in that position. So no. that's why I chip away. You know your body, you know how much you lose in your sleep, you know how much you lose in a training session. And you've got to calculate your right to bring it down to the weighing then, you know? Be mm. comfortable. Yeah. Mm. So, you, you know, you've talked a lot about discipline and being really um, quite strict with yourself. 
coming up and go, for anyone who's trying to get into the boxing industry don't do it no, I'm <laughs> I was just going to say what is apart from that what has been the most difficult thing for you what has been the struggle apart from obviously the being determined and not drinking and socialising well that's what I'm saying it's peer pressure on peers and that's what I'm saying because you're starting out in anything you're starting with zero so it's like to be able to start with zero and not worry about your friends who might be doing better than you at the time or having a certain image or guys for instance want to impress girls so they need money they need to do this they need to be like that you might not be able to do all that stuff starting out in your career so you've just got to literally zone in and understand your lane mm-hmm. and don't worry about what anyone else thinks because mm-hmm. eventually you'll get to your goals and all yeah. that will come just focus on what you're doing so i'll just say don't worry about the peer pressures of others outside and how important is like the your management or even your family, you know, your support system? How important is that for your success? So important, so important. Like my manager, um, he knows me so well. Um, so he's quite good at like not just preparing you physically, mentally. He knows when you're feeling a certain way, how to make you feel a certain way. I remember like prime example, my first fight, my debut, I was walking out and I remember like I saw the crowd and I thought oh there's my auntie oh, yeah, all them people I sold tickets to they're really here yeah, so cute. oh my gosh what if I lose oh my god I've told <laughs> them like getting nervous, I'm going to tell them on the next big thing and I've got to show it now you're like oh damn and then like I remember he just turned around to me and he said oh why are you nervous I said huh he's like you can feel what it. are you nervous for and I said what do you mean he's like you're nervous mate you're a talent you're a talented fighter you've done the hard work he said today is just about going and show what you what you've been doing with Jim? Mm-hmm. He's like, don't worry about that. F me, f f everyone here. You get one debut. Go out and enjoy it, mate. And I remember like, all right, I'm walking out thinking, yeah, f all of you. This is my <laughs> debut. All of you. Ah, this I is, know what I'm doing. This is my debut. Yeah, yeah. go out and enjoy it. And I remember yeah. I got in the ring. I felt confident. And then my first fight, I remember I knocked the guy in forty something seconds. And he's like, see, told you, mate. And I was like, oh yeah. So it's like, he knows how to get in your head, mm-hmm. and calm you down, mm-hmm. relax you, then make you believe in yourself, make the right moves, the right fights at the right time. That's all part of your management, picture fights, accepts fights. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't got a good manager and you've got a good relationship with, it, it becomes difficult. I know people's careers have gone pear because they're falling out their managers, right. they're stuck in contracts, they don't want to be at their manager, they're falling out personal reasons and they just, yeah, it's all gone. Their career's gone downhill. So yeah. it's very important to have a good manager. So how did you find your manager? It's did funny. He find you? It's funny actually because I remember at the time I was looking for. Um, they had a few offers of trainers and managers, yeah. and I remember a boy said to me like, "Oh, that guy Peter Sims. You should go have someone like him." I said, "Yeah, he can probably take me." Like, um, I don't know how to get in touch with him. So like, you know, I've got his number. Do you want to text him? Tell him. Yeah. I'll text him next week. I said, "All right." Um, Cool, but he didn't. He texted him there at the show. I didn't know. So he said, "Oh, Pete said um, I sent him your record, sent him your stuff. He's interested. He said, come see him on Monday." So I went and saw him on Monday. He said, "Oh, what are you doing now?" I said, "Look, I've got another fight this weekend." Um, he said, "You know, I'm going to come and watch you." So I was like, "Okay, cool." And he come and watch me. And funny enough, I didn't get the decision. I felt like I won the fight, and I didn't get the decision. I thought that's my chance, blowing. Yeah, and he's like, see you later, mate. I'll give you a call. And I was like, see you later. I said, oh, he deflated. I was like, I'm done. Mm. And I remember he rang me on Monday and he's like, how are you feeling? You still a bit upset feeling the surface? I said, oh, yeah, I'm still a bit upset. But he said, no, it doesn't matter, mate. He said, look, I saw you the talent. I thought it was a bad decision. I thought you won the fight. Um, I still want to sign you. Do you want to sign? It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, there's always a silver lining, yeah. isn't there? And he's like, are you free between like the 8th of April and the 30th? He's like, I'm free whenever you want. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm free. He's <laughs> like, oh, cool, well, I booked you a trip. We're going to book you a trip. Send me a passport to I'll go down my bed. I'm taking you off training camp. X is paid for. Let's go. I was like, oh, is this the pro lab? I was like, yeah, I'm getting used to this. And we went to Marbella. We trained out at the MGM gym. And then, um, event, obviously, because I didn't have a good amateur pedigree and I lost in the championships. Originally, him trying to put me with Eddie, now he's like, it's going to be hard for me to put me with Eddie, but you're a talent. So maybe match box on a couple other shows mm-hmm. and then get with Eddie. So I said, mm-hmm. yeah, no problem, whatever I've got to do. So, Carlton Social, one boy on Eddie's show three weeks before he was meant to fight, then him and the manager fell out, whatever. He came to the show. Okay. I came into the gym one day, he's like, I spoke to Eddie. He said, you can put, make your debut on his show. I've told him about you and whatever. He said, he wants to have a look at you. I said, Three weeks. I said, No, I won't be ready. He's like, 
Are you alright? And he said, I said, what are you talking about? He said, knock, knock. I said, these days, opportunity. He goes, can't be opportunity. Opportunity don't knock twice, yeah? So I started laughing. He said, no, seriously. Eddie Hearn said you can make your debut on his show. Yeah. Like, if you're worried about getting ready, I'll get you ready. Don't worry about that. So I said, are you sure? Well, I want to make my debut look good. Like, I want to be prepared. Like, he's like, trust me, you need this opportunity. So I said, okay, I trusted him. I took the fight. And that's when I stopped him in 47 seconds. And Eddie was like, oh, this kid, he looked good. Like, yeah. let's put him on again. So he put me on again, put him on again. Then he's like, boom, yeah, sign me to match and boxing. So the blessing the silver lining, you know, mm-hmm. everything was just falling into place. That's why I kind of thought like the boxing was kind of my plan, like mm-hmm. God's plan, mm-hmm. because like, coincidentally, someone falls off the show. Yeah, I feel it. everything just I stopped. You know, it was just dropped yeah. falling into place. It's just something that you couldn't have planned or is out of your control, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, that's how it kind of You've been happened. in the right place at the right time. There we go. For several different things. Yeah. Hmm. So where do you see your boxing career taking you? Where, are you, where What is your next step? Like, I'm trying to aim towards the world titles. That's where I want to go. So I'm, I'm world ranked in two world title governing bodies, top 10. I'm number eight in the world. So I've been trying to push on, obviously get to that number one to fight for the world title. At this point, when you're top 10, you can get an opportunity at any time. Right. So I've been top 10 for like two years now. So any time the phone could ring, but I kind of wanted to crown to be the best in the whole of Britain before I moved to work. So that's what the last fight was for the British title to crown that I'm the best in Britain. Yeah. And now I've done that, I want to push on to newer things, new my ultimate goal, which is world titles. And we, we know you're going to do it. <laughs> we know you're going to do it. Even when I spoke to you, what, two years ago? Yeah. yeah. Think about where you was then, and it's only been two years. So this is what I'm saying. I'm having a local scrap yeah. derby, and I'm scrapping to be the best in Britain. Now, hopefully, God willing, I'm Things scrapping to be the best in the world. So I want to talk to you a bit about COVID because I feel like we can't have interviews without talking about COVID. Yeah. Um, how is it? Was. Yeah. That he's got his merch. And his we measure well. two meters. Yeah, two meters. Ah. <laughs> um, how is it affecting you? And how is it affecting you and your career? Um, and also your training? Is it having an impact on you? When COVID first came out, it was a nightmare because before it was announced as COVID, I caught COVID in the February. Ah. And I had my British title fight March. But my manager, obviously back then we knew it was in other countries, but my manager was in Spain and he came over and I think he put the gym, all of us caught it. Mm. We was out for weeks and I was in a bad way, my breathing, I was getting tired, I couldn't walk up the stairs. So I ended up having to pull out the show on March, which was, it was upsetting, it was disheartening. Then afterwards I finally got better. I was back in the gym for one week and then we went on a national lockdown. So then we had no shows, no boxing. We didn't know what to do. I started doing bike riding to maintain my time every week, done charity rides, we done London to Bournemouth, etc. We just kept busy. Yeah. Um, and then eventually boxing started opening up clo- behind closed doors, mm-hmm. a few shows limited. And then, um, then eventually I got the British title shot, November, then that got canceled, then in December, and then I fought. But now I feel like we've been the pandemic so long, we're making the right adjustments to know how to work our schedule around this whole pandemic. Mm. Because as an elite athlete, we're allowed to work. Right. So, um, yeah, so now work's back on for us, but we went a year without no work. It's madness, isn't it? Nah. So in terms of work being back on for you, so you can go and train in your gyms. Yeah. Um, are they just for, just for elite? Um, athletes. My gym is a private gym anyway. Right. So okay. unless you're signed to the Matchroom Elite Gym, either Tony Sims or Peter Sims, you won't come to the gym anyway unless we've called you in for sparring. Mm-hmm. So we open up, we go in the gym, we train, we're kind of doing like, if it's pad work, one by one's coming in or two by two, one in the bag, one in the pads or whatever, or we're doing our runs and that in the morning together. So we're still training in our gym as normal. Mm-hmm. It just makes it difficult using other gyms for strength and conditioning. Right. You can't go outside to gyms. Um, things like that that's hard mm-hmm. um, and then obviously like yeah you just gym home really so what yeah. about fights and upcoming fights uh, are these still being scheduled or what's happening with yeah those? so like previously as I just fought December it was behind closed doors so you weren't allowed no crowds so is that weird yeah and then you got a quarantine for a week in the hotel so you got to get tested on arrival you're yeah. not allowed to leave your room until you get the results back the next day then once you get your results back you're allowed in the hotel but you're not, but you're not allowed to leave the hotel. the hotel and then you 
stay there all week, do your way and do your fire, and then once you fought, then you can go about your business, go home. It's very but, intense. Yeah, it's intense. And now I think moving forward, now we just hit another lockdown. It'll be the same procedures. Yeah. Because end of last year they was gonna do limited crowds in London because we went to tier two. Mm -hmm. So there was limited crowds, but now we've gone back up to tier four or five. Who knows? Who knows? Some tier are <laughs> not allowed anything. <laughs> so we're back in these tiers. So now we're not allowed crowds again. So it's all behind yeah. closed doors again. Yeah. But in terms of your financial side of it, will you yeah. still get the finance? Because I'm assuming you get a lot of money from tickets being sold. Basically, this is where the problems arise in boxing, for instance. With footballers, they're on set wage, weekly wage. Mm. They're getting paid. With boxing, it's like how much revenue do you channel to the show? Right. So, like, if you've got a big support network to the promoters, you're like, you're more valuable because you're like, you bring me a lot of money in, you get good views on the TV, which they get money in, so your value goes up. Right. But in this instant, it's like the promoters are like, we're having to pay you out of our pocket now, mm. yeah? But we're getting a lot of money from TV. So for example, Vibox on Sky, they got television in the zone in America, they're getting a lot of yeah. TV revenue. So their money's not really affected as much. Of course it's been effective if you're in arenas anyway, yeah. but they're still getting revenue. So they're having to take a little bit hit because we obviously still need to get paid. But at the same time, some fights you might get a little hit as well. Mm. But like, for example, when I box for the British, there's a thing called purse bids, right? Okay. So I'll break it down to you slow, just quickly. So what it is, is your fight goes out, this guy's fighting this guy for the title, right. yeah? Who wants to put it on their show? Whoever puts the biggest bid in for these guys to pay these guys the most money gets the fight on their show. Right. So, and then that money goes to us. So there's an envelope that opens at 12 o'clock with all the promoters, so no one knows what anyone's bid it. It's not like eBay. So they open it up at 12 o'clock, look at the figures, he's bidding the most, it's on your show, Channel 5 or whatever, or Sky, whoever wins. Yeah. So for us, before the national lockdown, we went to purse business November, December, way before the pandemic. So Channel 5 put a big bid in for us to fire. Yeah. So that then is our purse. Yeah. So then after that, we've hit the lockdown. So a year later, although the fight's taken ages, we're still guaranteed that money. Right. So now, it doesn't matter what you, if you're taking a loss, that's not my business. Mm -hmm. You've took my fight on your show because I'm guaranteed this money, you need your money. Mm -hmm. So in terms of the last fight for a title fight, I never got hit. Okay. So now it's just negotiating the next fights, you're trying to like not get hit. Yeah. Or if it's a big title fight, it can generate, do you know, you've, yeah. got to, you've got to be a bit reasonable because the promoter don't want to just be paying loads out of his pocket, taking loads of hits at the same time. So it's just trying to find a middle balance where you take a little hit, he takes a little hit mm. for you to go out and fight. Mm. Luckily, it's not impacting. So there is an impact, but it's luckily not too much of an impact yeah. in the sense, you know, because um, I, I was just trying to understand whether if you're not going out there and having public fights, mm -hmm. are you even going to, you know, get the, the financial backing that you, that you need so the thing good. is the thing is like if you're the big promoters as i any home because they get as i said so much tv revenue it doesn't affect you so much if you're a small promoter their money sheerly off the tickets yeah so they have no reason to put you out because yeah. they're going to make no money yeah. they don't have no tv backing so like 70 percent of the boxers ain't boxing at all no nah. so a lot of them not even in the gym so then even so like journeyman like when people box guys who are rubbish against really good prospects. Because it's TV, no one wants to watch that. No one's gonna cancel their Friday night to watch a fight they know is gonna win. Mm. So the thing is, the journeyman's been taken out of the picture, so they're mm. also not boxing. So now everyone wants to see 50-50 fights on TV, prospect versus prospect. Yeah. So the fights have got harder in the pandemic yeah. for boxers. Everyone's finding out who's who. So people are taking losses who people didn't think would take losses because they've been beating up idiots the whole time. Mm. Now they're fighting real people you're seeing what what the so levels are. Like now you're seeing there's only like a handful of really elite boxers. Only basically. a handful of people are still winning. There's a, like people getting found out, people surprising the crowds. Mm -hmm. And this is the thing that I like, because as I explained to you a lot earlier in my career, I've been doing this, yeah. fighting these guys from early. A lot of boxers have dodged around it. Mm. Now there's nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. We've all got to meet. And that dodging, does that come from maybe managers being really smart about how, who they're picking yeah. fights with? You know, it's, 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 it's a catch-22. It's quite smart strategically, but you're building the guy's profile. Yeah. He's knocking everything out. It looks like he's the next big thing. Yeah. So he, then everyone starts following him. 
he's an animal, he's a monster, like this guy is the next big thing, you see the way he knocked him out, that knockout was good. It builds a hype, it builds a profile. Everyone likes entertainment, they like knockouts. Mm. So they're not even looking, they forget that they're fighting rubbish people after a while. <laughs> they're just thinking, nah, he's the next big yeah. thing. So they build a profile. Eventually the buzz is so big, they start getting opportunities at the top. So it's great because it's created your profile and it's created you to get to the top. The downside is you've not got the experience on the way for when you actually get there. Mm. So it's the catch 22, smart management to get you there. Mm. But if you ain't got the right experience when you get there, you're gonna come up short. Mm. That's really interesting. Why do we call you spider? Why is it? And can I just say, you know, I have a real fear of spiders. I really don't like it. Can I tell you a secret? <laughs> Actually, it's not really a secret. It's on camera now, isn't it? Ah! <laughs> you know, I didn't like spiders myself. Did you but not? since I started being called spider, I'm not even scared of them no more. No, but That's actually, just, let me tell you the tr- truth though, yeah? I got into my place one day, I got home from training, and I thought I could see something sticking out of like a pipe. I said, please don't be this. <laughs> Two o'clock in the morning, I my friend I said, Yo, it's on top, you know, where what's going on? Where are you at? Yo? I'm like, bro, the maddest spider's like, bro, it's two o'clock in the morning, get a slip of that. I'm like, no, bro, this one is crazy, like it's not oh, no it's so similar crazy. It's big. Yeah. He's like, just do it. So I'm there, we've got him on video call. Bleach, <laughs> bros, spray, spray the running. I'm going to lack easy. Yeah. Eventually, I dropped him, yeah? <laughs> I was stamping away, I got him out of there, yeah? And if you look how tall Craig is I got him out of there. But imagine the worst thing that happened to me. I came in the next day from training. I didn't know it must have been pregnant while I was so big. <gasps> there was bare little spiders just grew. I grabbed the hoover before they moved, took every one of them out, and it just threw the hoover out. Oh my God, that is actually my worst fear. Because I heard that they can grow in the hoovers and stuff. I thought, I ain't risking this. I hoovered everything and just threw the hoover out. So this is why you wanted to be called Spider? Oh, no. No, no, no. But sorry, that was my- That story is awful. That was my literal, that was my skin and thing fear. I kept. Yeah, you only me and my friend. I never thought you were spot. scared of anything. Nah, but I wasn't mm. scared. I just didn't like them. You but were, you were scared. After that, a little bit. Now, <laughs> after that, I see spiders. I'm like, oh, spider. Like, I'm actually cool with them now. Like, if okay. I see them. But the reason they called me spider, which I hated the name originally, I was sparring. I kept hitting people from everywhere. They were like, I feel like I'm getting rushed. This guy can't have two arms. Like, he's catching me from everywhere. Like, you sure someone else ain't involved? Okay. And manager was like, no, that's what we call him Spider, he's got more than two arms. Oh. So everyone thought I was getting rushed, and that's why the name Spider came. And at first he was like, yeah, we'll call you Spider. I was like, no, you're not calling me Spider, that <laughs> dead. And he was like, no, Spider. And I was literally, my friend heard got wind. I was to come to the end of bats me, they were like, hey, Spider. I was like, stop calling me, I swear now. <laughs> yeah, I was pissed, and obviously eventually it grew on me. And now you and love I, it. Yeah, I love it now, I don't mind it. Yeah. You know, it's part of, you know what it is I like about it? It's like, when I box, in the boxing world, I'm spider. Mm. And I came out and I'm just, I'm Craig. I'm Craig and it's like, if I get abused on land, I'll sit and laugh with someone like, oh, look at Spider getting abused. <laughs> look what he said about him. It's like two different characters. Like yeah. Spider in boxing and I can be Craig on normal day-to-day life. So. That's interesting. I never realized that's what it was. Um, yeah. I've always wondered why you would be called Spider. I know, it's a weird name, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's like most people want to be called the lion or yeah, like something the like silverback. Really aggressive. Yeah, no, just the spider. <laughs> <laughs> but we have we understand why. Yeah. Okay, um, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on Sofa Talks. It's been really insightful. You've got so much information to give. I know, I've probably been chewing everyone's ear. No, to be fair, we wish I, w- I would have loved to have had, just had more time with you, even a whole day just you to listen to your stories. And no company, right? <laughs> <laughs> Same here, so right. I understand. But no, it's been really good. And, um, you know, I just want to say I'm so excited to see what happens in your future. Thank you. You continue to just, like, blow us away. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. And I'm excited to keep seeing how you grow doing your platforms and this. And I wish you all the best on that also. Thank you, Very good stuff you're doing. Also, on that note, can I just shout out a couple of my sponsors? Ah! I was going to say, plug yourself. Go for it. You know, I just want to shout out my sponsors that Lewis Access. They've been like helping me through camp. Liar, um, new sponsor, they've been on board to doing great things. Capital Waste, Sean the Print Town has been with me from the start. The Mill Team, everyone knows the Mill Team. I um, want to know the Mill Team. The Mill Team. <laughs> um, 
all of my sponsors, Four Way Elite um, from America, their American agency who sponsored me from abroad. Got to shout them out, shout out my guy Trey, and also Elite Fleet Care. I've got to shout that out and Everlast as well. So I just want to thank all my sponsors for being behind me and keep supporting. Oh, like a whole heap of sponsors and a whole heap of support. Well, we need that. This is what's the pandemic. Things like that, sponsors get you through. They're giving you yeah. money monthly and stuff. This is the sort of things that help us financially. So, they so we appreciate part. you, sponsors. And we appreciate yeah. all the supporters. Everyone who's been behind me, supporting me, buying tickets obviously before the pandemic and on my socials and stuff. Got to shout them out. And obviously my family and my friends also. So... You're so welcome. humble, honestly. Oh. Such a hard-working, humble guy. Oh, appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, <laughs> Thank you very you. much. Thank you. And that's it, guys. See you for another episode of Sofa Talks. Oo